Grace, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to admit, I think the children's message just took my sermon. But we're going to do it anyway. When I first read through the Gospel of Mark for today, I was captivated and surprised by how he recorded the mother whose daughter had an unclean spirit and how Jesus interacted with her. Mark doesn't offer much detail about that conversation. He kind of quickly moves through it like he does a lot of the miraculous events in his gospel that Jesus, uh, that Jesus carries out. But Matthew recorded the same event, but he added much more detail. Sometimes it's little nuances, but it's, it's there. So I'm going to read to you the account that Matthew wrote. It's only seven or eight verses. And listen for the parts that are new, new being and not having been read in the uh, lesson from the Gospel of Mark. So this is Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that city came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What struck me about Matthew's account is I think he was, and this is my opinion, but that he was trying to give us a, a, a large picture of, of this encounter, of this dialogue between Jesus and the lady from the Canaanite lady. I think in normal circumstances, it would have been very difficult for the mother, a Gentile, to expect Jesus to pay any attention to her. But that didn't stop her. She went right up to him, fell down at his feet, and asked for help. Other things kind of struck me as setting the scene. As I said, the woman is Greek in heritage and culture and not a Jew. And she's crying out to Jesus as Lord, son of David, for mercy, even though she's a Gentile. She calls on Jesus as her God, but the son of God is to belong to the side, to the Messiah, and is to be for the Jews. And she's not that. And then there are Jesus' disciples who urge him to send her away. They're acting out a barrier they're, that they're building. They're bothered by this person. They don't want to spend time with her. Send her away. And then Jesus responds that he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And so this barrier between Jesus and the woman, eliminating her ability to get to Jesus, gets a little higher. The mother now has to 
work her way through re, you know, re, the recorded rules and traditions of the Jewish, of the Jewish culture in her, in her city. So, Lord, help me, she cries. She's desperate. And Jesus offers the view that it's not right to give children's bread to dogs, a way to say perhaps that Jews have priority according to, to tradition. But the woman begs for the crumbs that fall on the floor. She is even more determined to convince Jesus to heal her daughter. And because of her unrelenting faith in him, he heals her. And this encounter took place in public. And Jesus demonstrates in public that God's love and mercy is not limited by social, religious, tradition, or restrictions. What else do you see in this exchange of comments between Jesus and the mother? Well, I kind of pictured an atmosphere of ethnic bias, social and religious division, discrimination, indifference, certainly by the disciples, tunnel vision, lack of resources. She was probably very poor. But on the other hand, there's determination, faith, hope, love, and compassion. Given that mix of things, I don't think the crowd would have been surprised if Jesus didn't heal the daughter. And I think the disciples would not have been surprised either. But in this conversation they have, Jesus shows us just how far he will go to cross all the barriers that keep people away from his mercy and grace. He shows us just how far we can go to cry out for mercy and expect it to be given. And he calls out the social and religious barriers. He sets them up and he lets the mother knock them down. Jesus shows us to see just how much God loves all people. For God really does love us. He really does love us. God has always loved us. God loved us before there was a creation. God loved us and chose us in Christ Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. God loves us so much that he chose Jesus before the creation of the world to redeem us. That redemption price was to suffer and die for the sins of the whole world. That's why we're here today and why we'll be here next week. With Jesus paying off our sin debt, everyone who would ever live could receive full forgiveness for all their sin. From Adam and Eve to this mother and daughter, to you and me, to all the people yet to come, every person who believes the promise that Jesus died to pay for their sin and rose from the dead would receive eternal life in the presence of God. And this isn't a plenary promise, it's a personal promise made to, by God to each one of us. St. Paul explains and lets us imagine what, how this works with, by, by describing the promise in this way. He says, don't you know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You can't get more personal than that. In other words, Christ died, we will die. 
Christ was raised from the dead by God the Father, and we will be raised from the dead by God because we live by faith in Christ Jesus. And to the question, why did God do all of this? Well, it's all about God's love for us. St. John gives us the closest thing we have for an answer in his first letter to the church. He writes, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, John writes, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now love like this seeks and demands expression. Love like this leads to action. First, Jesus tells us how love looks. He demonstrates it. Then he shows us what love does. Then he gives us opportunities among us to express love. Then he sends us into the world to express love to others. And he only has one standard of performance, one measuring metric. Just love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So how are we doing living this life in Christ? You could say, and we do say, there's evil all around us and it seems to be multiplying exponentially. This week we have seen just how close it can get to us, our families and our friends. And still after 2000 years or even just a few decades, people are still crying out, still looking for healing in their lives. And they're looking in the most unusual places. They've tried all sorts of medicines and therapies for relief. This Syrophoenician mother who begged Jesus to heal her daughter, I think she would fit very easily and nicely into our culture today. She would have no resources. Her community would reject her for possibly the illness of her daughter as well as her, her enforced poverty. She could be bothered by or be considered a bother by those who have more important things to do. But you know, instead of her, it could be any one of us crying out, whose, whose life has been systematically deteriorating over the years. It could be any one of us who now experience financial disasters totally unexpected. We could be the ones crying out, Lord, Son of David, Son of God, help me. It could be any one of us who hear the stunning words that our health is under attack by disease and the outlook is uncertain. It could be any one of us who are stunned by, a, by the loss of a family hero, a warrior in a land far away. It could be any one of us calling out to God, have mercy, help me. It could be any one of us who see their families torn apart by unfaithfulness. It could be any one of us who suffer from disappointment, rejection, social failures, and depression. It could be any one of us who cry out and not seeing the answer God promises to provide, we begin to think that maybe there isn't an answer coming and we should just plain give up. But instead, we should see ourselves as Jesus sees us, kneeling at his feet, 
believing that out of his love for us, he will help. He has promised to work all things out for good for those who love God, for those who are called to his purpose. And there is purpose in trouble. For the mother in our gospel, a purpose, and just one purpose in her trouble, could very well be that she would be telling us today in this very place never to give up on Jesus. Never give up on Jesus. Never give up on Jesus. But God the Father does not give up on us. God the Holy Spirit does not give up on us. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, does not give up on us. Jesus cried out to God in his suffering, dying on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the purpose in Jesus' death, he was absorbing in his body all the penalty our sin earned for us. And what is our purpose in suffering, in our crying and mercy for relief? Well, one purpose is to draw closer to Christ, to share in his comfort so we can comfort others with the same comfort we have received from God. St. John, in closing his letter and closing this sermon, writes in his letter, God is love. And he's saying God the Father is love, God the Son is love, Jesus is love. The Holy Spirit is love. And then he goes on to address our requests that we make to God. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Never give up on God. Never give up on Jesus. In his name, amen. Please stand as we are able to confess our faith in the Nicene Creed, printed in your bulletin.